Well, amen, church. He is risen. You're supposed to respond. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Amen. Thank you for gathering with us this morning from your home, your tablet, your iPhone, your computer. We are thankful and praise God that you are here with us on this Easter Sunday. We are coming together to celebrate the fact that Jesus lives. Amen. Amen. The truth of the resurrection is where we as believers in, the, in Christ Jesus place our hope. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. The stage was set when Jesus gave his life up upon the cross. He took upon himself the wrath of God for sinners. Yet he who was without sin, became sin to bring us to God. But the King of kings and the Lord of lords didn't come just to die, but he came to resurrect, to conquer sin, to conquer death, to be the first fruits of the resurrection, proving that we will too one day join him in that resurrection for all eternity the hope of the resurrection is the hinge in which the Bible is true. The grave is empty. Jesus is alive. And that means that we too will live with him. It also means that all that was written according to the scriptures is also true. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Paul writes in one of the earliest documents to the church, written in nearly two decades after the resurrection, in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul writes in about 55 AD these words in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins then those who have also fallen asleep in Christ have perished. But if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Amen? The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So this Easter, our hope is not in our finances. It's not in our job, our health, our money. Our hope is in Christ and him alone. The one that brings peace, knowing that we are made right with God and have been given eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So this morning as we open the scriptures together, as we celebrate this Easter, we remember he lives, he is risen, and that affects us today. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 21 as we begin, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 28 as we begin our scripture in Matthew chapter 28 verse 1. Matthew is the writer of the book of Matthew and we are going to pick up in the resurrection here in verse 1 of Matthew 28, Matthew 
28.1, now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a, a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. Praise the Lord. He has risen. Let us pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your great grace and your great mercy. Father, we ask that this morning we would remind ourselves that he lives. And in the midst of all the things that are going on in our world, all the chaos that surrounds us, Lord, help us to, re to remember that Jesus has conquered sin. He has conquered death. We no longer have to fear, Father, because he has risen. And Lord, we, as we come before you as the church, as we come before you all around the world right now, Lord, let us lift up our voices as the church, as the people of God. Father, as we cry out to you, for our hope is in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. My first Easter Sunday about seven years ago, I can remember beforehand knowing Easter Sunday is kind of a big deal, right? And then I can remember getting up to preach and, 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 and seeing all these people in the audience, in the pews. The pews were filled, and I can remember almost immediately fumbling over my words, trying to catch my breath, trying to calm my nerves down. Where did all these people come from? Right? I mean, preaching on Easter Sunday can be a lot of pressure. How can we get them back to the next week? Usually my wife has to give me this pep talk uh, pre-Easter, which she usually does most effectively. Rob, don't try to be cute or, or try and be too funny. Just because it's Easter, she says. Do what you always do. Preach the gospel and let those who are seeking Christ find him there. It's not about you. But can I be real for a moment? You may be tuning in to our live stream this morning, and maybe you're someone who has doubts about God. You're not sure what to think about all life's questions. Why do bad things happen to good people? 
Why is the coronavirus happening? What's God's plan in all of this? Maybe you're interested in the things of God, but you're not sure whether you can place your full weight of faith in Christ. These women who go to the tomb to visit Jesus, both Marys, they don't have all the answers to what is happening, but they know one thing. They know that he lives. I may myself not know everything, but I know this. My Redeemer lives, and I live to tell his story. What we see this morning is the centerpiece of the Christian faith. You see, faith in Christ is not faith based upon the in only the unexplainable, but built upon the undeniable fact that Jesus, in fact, does live. Faith can be defined as when the unexplainable meets the undeniable. You see, when we follow Jesus, we follow him not because we understand all of the ways of God, but because Jesus resurrected from the dead and we know that God has a plan in all things. We understand that he is true because he lives. You see, there's a mountain of evidence that we can see depicting the resurrection of, as true. The gospel of Matthew is no different, giving us mountains of evidences that the resurrection happened. The issue is not, did the resurrection happen? The issue is what is your response to the fact that he lives? The late Dr. Thomas Arnold, professor of modern history at Oxford University, author of the widely acclaimed three-volume History of Rome, said this, the evidence for Jesus' death, his life, and his resurrection has been so shown to be satisfactory according to the standards of any historian. It holds up according to the common rules for distinguishing good evidence from bad. Tens of thousands of persons have gone through it piece by piece as carefully as any judge reviewing the most important case. I have myself done this many times over, not to persuade others, but to satisfy myself. Throughout my life, I have made a career of studying the histories of times and events, examining and weighing the evidence for what was written and about each of them. And I know of no one I know of no other fact in history which is proved by a better and fuller evidence than this one. Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead. Just to give you some background on where we are here in the text of Matthew chapter 28, Jesus has given his life on the cross, suffering a humiliating death. And on the cross, he cries, it is finished. We know from the gospel of John that the Roman soldiers who are trained executioners go to break the legs of those on the cross because the Sabbath is about to begin 
But realizing Jesus is already dead, they pierce his side, penetrating the lungs and the heart, and out pours water and blood. And Joseph takes Jesus' body down from the cross. He places it in a tomb, and he rolls the great stone in front of the tomb. And we pick up in our story in Matthew chapter 27, verse 62. I'm going to read that to you right now. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sirs, we remember how the imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. So the stone is placed over the tomb. It's sealed and a guard of soldiers are set outside of the tomb. And yet Sunday is coming. Verse 1 gives us our story this morning. Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. The Gospel of John again tells us why they're going to the tomb. They go to the tomb to anoint the body of Christ with these spices. But they're asking themselves this question, who is going to roll the stone away? Verse 2 happens, and behold, there was a, a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. The earthquake that rocked the earth after Jesus died just a few days ago was matched by another earthquake at the resurrection. And the angel rolls the stone back. Verse 3, his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And he rolls the stone back and he sits on the stone White as snow, his clothes like lightning. The significance being that he has been in the presence of a holy and righteous God without spot or wrinkle, blameless. Verse four, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. All this happening, the guards who are very capable of protecting the body have now begun to tremble with fear like dead men. There's a bit of irony here in the Greek as the earth quakes, so do the guards as the dead become alive. The guards who are alive are like dead men now. And verse five happens, but the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. This is our first point this morning that we see from the text of Scripture. 
we see the women seek Jesus. This Jesus whom you seek is not here. Come see the place where he lay. You see, these women were seeking Jesus. They had seen him do miraculous things in their own life. They had walked with him. They had seen the trial. They had seen the burial. They continued to seek him even in the hardest of the situations. They didn't understand everything that was going on. Gospel of John even tells us that the disciples didn't understand that Jesus must rise from the dead. They're confused. They're scared. They're fearful. They don't understand what is happening. Yet, these women are seeking Jesus. The Bible talks specifically about those who fear the Lord. In Jeremiah 29, 14, it says this, verses 13 and 14. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, when Jesus, Jesus says, seek and you will find Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love those who love me. Those who seek me diligently find me. Psalm 27, 8 says this, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. You see, there are many people who may be seeking, but they're seeking after the wrong things. They're looking to their money, their job, their relationships, their social life, or even their status for their purpose on this earth. And yet, it is all but a mist that vanishes into thin air. The other morning I got up And I told my wife, it's Groundhog Day. It is now day 29 of social distancing. Day 29 of juggling, working from home, yet spending quality time with your family. Avoiding the news, yet watching the news. Communicating and connecting with people, yet social distancing trying to find joy amidst all the pain and suffering all around us. Sometimes it's quite exhausting. Sometimes all we can see is the chaos that surrounds us. And yet, we know he lives. There is hope. Seek the one who promises eternal life. Seek who, the one who turns our mourning into dancing. Seek the one who makes all things new. Seek the one who brings good news of great joy. Salvation has come. His name is Jesus. You see, in some ways, though, when we look at this passage, both of the Marys are seeking the right person. 
but they're seeking him in the wrong place. Jesus had told them that he would resurrect from the dead. He's not here, the angel says. And he puts this caveat in there, as he told you. You see, Jesus told his disciples that he would resurrect from the dead. He told his disciples that after three days, he would no longer be there. And yet, they're looking for Jesus, but maybe in the wrong place. Death does not have the last laugh. Christ overcomes. And if you're a follower of Jesus, may this be a stamp of remembrance for you. He lives. The angel comes to roll away the tomb, not to somehow let Jesus out. No, Jesus walks through walls later on. No, he comes to show the ladies and the soldiers the tomb is now empty. He is not here. He is alive. This means everything changes. We must seek the risen Lord. Verse seven says this, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Now notice, both the Marys have these emotions. They have fear and great joy. An odd combination for sure. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt fear and great joy at the same time? As I was thinking about this this week, I know at least one time in my life that I felt fear and great joy at the exact same time. And it was holding my baby girl for the first time. As a first time dad, one of the first moments in which I held her, standing in awe of this little girl, yet so much joy, knowing that I have the privilege of being her daddy. The fear and the joy mixed together as we stand in awe and yet worship in joy that he lives. The fear and the joy turns to worship as they encounter Jesus. Jesus finds them. Verse nine says this, and behold, Jesus met with them and said greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. This is our second point this morning. Worship Jesus. Worship Jesus. If I had one piece of advice as we continue on this story, it would be this. Don't be like the guards who see the tomb opened up. See that Jesus is not there. 
and yet do not worship the Lord God Almighty. Don't be like the Pharisees who know that Jesus has prophesied that he would resurrect from the dead. They hear the testimony of the guards. They go themselves to check the tomb. I'm sure that they did. They see Jesus is not there. All this would have gone away if they could have produced a body. And yet they did not produce the body of Christ. And yet, even with all of this evidence, they still do not believe. The Pharisees, a little bit further along in the text, in verse 11, the Pharisees give the guards money to keep them silent. They talk to the guards to spread a false testimony, a false story that the body of Christ was stolen by the disciples. Don't be like the Pharisees who see the evidence and yet understand the implications that Jesus lives, knowing that he is Lord, knowing that they would have to humble themselves and worship Jesus for who he is. There are some of us today who are like the Pharisees, who know the truth, but are, who, un, who are unwilling to humble ourselves to the fact that Jesus is Lord. We look at this story and we say, how could the Pharisees try to just cover up the resurrection? Did they not see the facts? Yet there are many who live or continue to live as if Jesus never resurrected from the grave, living for ourselves without being willing to see who Jesus is. Yet the women who are seeking Jesus, worship this Jesus. They're filled with fear and joy. And when they encounter Jesus, they worship him. You see, we can worship Jesus too when we encounter him in the scriptures. We are able to worship this Jesus because we understand what the resurrection means. The resurrection means that we are declared not guilty. Our sins are paid for by the perfect sacrifice of Christ. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Injustice does not have the last word. Even though there's a lot of injustice in our world today, one day the judge will come and he will make all things right. Jesus is Lord. Addictions, they do not control us. Because of the resurrection, the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead gives new life to this mortal body. The Holy Spirit is sent to overcome 
and give us a new life in Christ. We understand because of the resurrection, pain does not become unbearable. We will experience suffering and loss and pain in this world, yet Christ says, I will wipe every tear from their eye. Despair will not overtake us. There is hope. This life is not our home. No matter how dark it looks, the dawn is rising. Sunday is coming. And last but not least, the resurrection means that death doesn't have the last word. We do not fear death because Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. It means one day we too will be with Jesus for all eternity. It means that everything he said was true. It means that we can trust Jesus. You see, Muhammad is still in the grave. Confucius is still in the grave. Siddhartha Gautama is still in the grave. Yet Jesus lives. He is worthy of worship. He is worthy of praise. And our response to the living Savior and Lord is to worship him as the women did. Church, let us worship this Jesus through this time. We may be filled with fear, yet let us be filled with fear and great joy, knowing that our Savior lives. The last part of this text is verse 10. And it says this, Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid, Go and tell my brothers, go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This thought process is not only seen from the angel, but again from Jesus himself. This is our third point this morning. Go and tell the good news. Jesus repeats what the angel has told him. Go and tell the good news that he lives. You see, this would be the beginning of the church. Right here, after the resurrection, Jesus would go gather the followers of Jesus. He would appear to them and he would commission them to go and tell the good news. And the church would be the vehicle in which the gospel would go forth throughout the world to tell of this good news that he lives. At the end of the book, Jesus would declare, he would say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Church, would be, we be willing to go and tell the good news that he is risen 
He is risen. Amen.